0: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parasol podcast. I I have done that for so a while. Well. It's a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. My favorite person to have on with me, Keely, your follower on Twitter at Keely is my name. She does a great job covering the Trojans for us at USCfootball.com and I've got some news to talk about, mostly about the support staff. There's definitely been some shake up going on, uh, on the support staff roster for USC. It's definitely a deep roster. You're seeing some play, some, uh, some of the players from their leave, some of the new additions. And we're going to talk all about that with Keely Yore. We got a bunch of questions to get to as well. And if you have any questions for the show, feel free to email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can send us a text. We love to get all of those. And if you have the Apple podcasting app on any of your devices, Please subscribe, first of all. That's great, but also leave us a five star rating. Any kind of positive review with comments, feedback, suggestions you have does help us uh, grow the show. We really appreciate that. And thanks to everyone that's been doing that. I don't think we have any new ones this week, so get out there and leave us a uh, a five star rating if you can. And she always gets five stars. She's the five star signee I got from several back. <laughs> Keely, you're how are you doing, Keely?
1: Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. I love the the lot of hype leading up to my intro, Ryan. So thank you. Five star, your favorite person to podcast with. You're just buttering me up for this podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm going to tear you down later, isn't it? No. I know. I know. I like buttering you up. I do. It's funny. I do have people tell me, like, they're just talking to me like, yeah, what are you going to do when Keely gets poached by somebody better? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, yeah,
1: who knows? But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting a full troll, trolling to happen from you, Ryan, for the next like 30 minutes in this podcast, cause that's usually what follows. So I'm ready. I'm ready for it.
0: No, I always try to, I, well, I, I like, do like to pick on you cause it's fun, <laughs> but I do, you know, I try it's to be serious. nice. Uh, and she's <laughs> done a great job. The only intern we've ever hired full time and she's still, you know, she's been around. Bam. Uh, Thanks. it's funny too, like, sure. so say like ESPN calls and Keely's like, Hey, I'm going to go take a job with ESPN. I'm like, oh, that, that sucked to lose you. We used to have a, you know, a pretty good stable of interns because we had a lot of practice credentials. We had more game credentials. That's kind of dried up. So it's a lot harder now, um, to do stuff like that because you can't, we used to be able to bring a whole bunch more people to practice. They limited it quite a bit. Now the pandemic, you can't go at all. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, it would be hard to replace you in, you know, normal Achilles, but even harder now with like really don't have the same opportunities. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, our, we have interns that are asking me like, "Hey, when when can I get a practice credential?" And I'm like, "I don't have a practice credential right now, yeah. so it's 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 slow times right now." But I will say, we did find out USC's pro day uh, is on March 24th, I believe. I don't know if we can go to it, but we at least have a date now, which is good.
0: Yeah, I saw I thought like our former uh, <laughs> intern Brian Fisher. Oh. Look at that that. Out. Where did it come from? Like, is he well, the one that tweeted it or did USC? announce? I didn't see that. That was earlier today.
1: Yeah, so, I saw that tweet, too. I do know that it's going to happen in March. I asked a source about that. So I do know that they are having pro day. It's happening in March. And I saw that March 24th date. So I put two and two together. But I'll make sure to get confirmation on that. But, uh, yeah, we're moving ahead.
0: Yeah, maybe it's Brian just got that. But, like, yeah, I didn't see it. He tweeted out. So the only I think the only Pac-12 ones, he had Washington at March 30th and USC at March uh, 24th, um, Alabama apparently has two when you have that many guys. I guess so. <laughs> March well. 23rd and the 30th. But the, if my, my understanding is correct, the combine's not, they're not going to have like an in-person kind of combine thing. So really they're going to d- rely on the pro days. Um, so I think they had to have pro days, but it's better anyway. If, you know, if you're not Amon Ross St. Brown or, you know, yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker, you might not be going to the combine. So now it's just a situation where. Probably get more eyes on, uh, the, the guys that maybe wouldn't have been invited to the combine because, you know, they'll, they'll already be at the pro day.
1: Yeah. No, it definitely helps those guys who aren't getting an invite because you're going to have a lot of eyes. Usually you do at the USC pro day, but now you're going to have a lot of eyes, uh, on, on you. So, uh, kudos to those guys who will get a, a better shot this time around.
0: Yeah. Cause you got six guys that have left. Obviously everyone was eligible to return because of the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, six guys go. If you've ever been to a pro day, they were open to the public at one point, and then that stopped. and That's probably like 15 years ago or more. Oh wow! Um, but then it were they—they kind of got strict with the credentials, and there was a lot, you know. But we—we we would be able to go, but it was definitely crowded. You would like kind of move around the field, like the different drills, and people are sort of packed in shoulder to shoulder. Like when you're seeing the people cover the 40-yard dashes, like everyone's kind of like grouped together, a
1: clump. Yeah, definitely a clump of people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be like if there's going to be any media coverage at all. Uh, they might just have, you know, we have our own photographer, we have our own videographer, and we'll release numbers and and yeah. you know do a Zoom workout, a Zoom uh, interviews with some of the players. That would be my guess. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. That's sort of what we've been getting. But yeah, pro day's not the most important thing in the world, but it's something that we would cover for sure. It's just, you know, like the, like most everything else in pandemic, uh, you kind of have to move on as far as, (laughs) um, you know, the way you're doing things, you're going to do it a little differently, uh, at least for this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like there's a way you could do it where you like spread out media outlets per like in the stadium, in the seats, maybe, so that you can watch and then have a couple scouts on the field. I don't know, but I'm sure the Zoom way is probably what's going to happen. You're probably right there, Ryan.
0: And you get some cool stuff that's happening. Like, do you remember what was it? Um, when Sam Darnold's year? Yeah. Who was the there was like the owner for the was it? There was the Browns, the I believe. Yeah. Uh, what's what's those guys? I forget their names. Um, uh,
1: yeah, I am too. But good. it's a billionaire <laughs>
0: owner. The guy it, like they're tied to the University of Tennessee. And, uh, oh, I'm blanking on their names, but whatever. Um, yeah, they were there and there was like, I think a grad student that was like following me on Twitter, like I took a picture or something in the crowd and she was talking to the Haslams, Haslams, right? Um, talking to him. And then people were asking like, who's that? And it, it, was, it was funny. Like this whole thing came from it because you're like, Oh, he's definitely going to the Browns.
1: Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Which obviously didn't happen, so. They were but, sitting
1: with his family too, his parents, Donald's yeah, parents. Yeah, they were crazy. chatting with
0: us. So there's yeah. stuff like that that you could kind of get from there that's neat, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's when you have like a high profile quarterback that's going to be a top, you know, top pick that a lot of people thought would be number one. Yeah. Um, or before we jump into anything else, I just want to thank our sponsor, uh, Trader Joe's. Keely and I didn't do a show last week, so thanks for talking about it. Trader cool. Joe's on the family feud podcast i i'm i'm going there a little more often now it's definitely it's talk about pandemic experiences it's it's been my favorite shopping experience i've had uh they're always super friendly um you can bring your trader joe's bags again so if you have those usc bags that we've had before you know bring them in they'll fill them up for you uh been maybe drink a little more wine keely during the uh but got a good selection of of pinot Noirs, um, and uh, you know, picking up some different frozen dinners I, I've like to make, and uh, but the the gnocchi gorgonzola is is oh. really good. That's a good one to try out. I've been doing some of the the, the kind of frozen rice and uh, and you know, making some dishes with that just to go along with like some meats or fish that you can grill. So there's a lot of different you know stuff you can get there. But try the gnocchi gorgonzola. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So, I actually
1: went yesterday, Ryan, and I was okay. in line going, oh, I can mention this tomorrow on the podcast. Yeah, oh. so there you go. <laughs> what'd,
0: you, what'd you pick up?
1: It was a quick run. I got, like, apples, and the thing I like is that they have a uh, chicken breast in, like, little individual wrap packets because I'm cooking for one, so I'm not oh. going to, like, cook all four at once, so then I can just do one at a time. It's, it's very easy and simple. I love it.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, definitely check them out, and we would love to, you know, we're in contact with Trader Joe's and... When we're able to do some sort of gathering again, uh, they'll definitely provide more of those, uh, awesome USC Trader Joe's bags. There's, uh, the, the, it looks like, I don't know who's on the, who, like the football player that's on the bag. It might be like Ray Malaluga or something, but, uh, it's, they can't sell the bags. So people go in there, you're not allowed to sell them because they have all these, uh, you know, images and stuff, but they can be used as giveaways. So we've had several events where we gave a whole bunch. I mean, those bags go like wildfire. Um, so hopefully, we can have an event sometime soon, and uh, Trader Joe's will provide more of those bags, so that would be great.
1: Well, speaking of which, Ryan, I cleaned out my trunk this week, and I found, I think, like eight Trader Joe's USD oh, bags. Do not I know, say I that. Was like,
0: People are going to hit so you I, up.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm going to be targeted. But I know. I was like, I felt like I hit the jackpot. So if I ever need, need a, a trade, I have some good bartering materials.
0: There you go. So if you don't have your bag yet, tweet at Keely <laughs> is my name, and she will no. – <laughs> put one in the mail. I, I mean, I remember sending some of those out cause we had, I had a bunch of extra ones and then some people wanted them and you know, people that couldn't come to events and I sent a bunch of them out. It's, it's a real pain in the butt. Like to like pack up a whole bunch of things. I, I bought a bunch of people with, I forget what those fight on as one t-shirts or something. Like oh, yeah. I told people like, Hey, you know what? If you're having a bad day, it was like early pandemic. Tell me and I'll send you these t-shirts. I mean, it was cool, but it takes, a lot of it takes a lot of time to, like, pack a bunch of individual two or three shirts and, like, send them out and stuff.
1: Are you supposed to complain about your good deed, Ryan? I feel like that's not how it works.
0: <laughs> that's true. I shouldn't complain <laughs> about that. But am just kidding. I'm just saying, like, if you had a whole bunch of Trader Joe's bags, like, it would be nice to send them out, but it's not, like, super easy. It takes up a lot of time. But that's why we have the events, and then we can kind of give them away.
1: Exactly. There um, you go.
0: And I want to let people know beforehand. So, and you know, as you're listening to this, we still got more than a week of this promotion going on, but don't, don't, uh, don't wait. Don't dilly dally. So the best promotion 24 seven sports will do every year. We're the peristyle podcast here. Uh, some people don't know we actually run a website, uscfootball.com. <laughs> That's the main thing. We cover the team on the site. People are on it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, 24 seven, you know, not, notwithstanding, but yes, the peristyle, the busiest USC message board in the world. I started that. In 1996, and it's still going around. Today, um, it's for premium subscribers now. So if you're a VIP member, awesome. If you're not, you can sign up right now for 50% off an annual membership, which is amazing. But all your members, if you're a current member or if you're going to become a new member, the cool thing right now is you can get CBS All Access. So that's about $120 a year. One of the premium services, if you saw the Super Bowl commercial for Paramount+, Plus, CBS All Access will become Paramount Plus on March 4th. So right, you know, after this promotion ends, uh, that's why it's going until March 3rd, but, uh, awesome stuff. So they're going to have live sports on there. So like CBS sports kind of stuff, you want to watch those things you can watch on this app, but also, you know, original programming, anything CBS, if you want to watch Survivor, um, you know, how, uh, what's, uh, um, oh, what's, uh, one of my favorite shows and I'm blanking on it now, uh, Big Bang Theory, like all those kind of shows, like all that stuff is all on the, the app and you get access to it for free just before, for being a member. So you get the membership at half off, plus you get this $120 value. Um, and, you know, people are looking to cut the cord and get access to content. This is free content. You know, like say you're a, you're, you're like an Amazon Plus member because you get a lot of packages. You get the, you know, Amazon Prime. Just be because you like com, you're going to get this huge library of content uh, for your television um so hopefully you guys can check it out uh you know go sign up on the site you can see on the front page and become a cbs all access a- access subscriber which will be paramount plus uh soon so yeah, i know Very they have nice. like a new star trek uh show oh. the, yeah so if you like that kind of stuff it's on the cbs all access platform and a bunch i think a saved by the bell one but yeah, check out the super bowl commercial it's pretty cool
1: yeah. I mean, I saw a tweet of someone who, uh, picked up the deal and he said it's a, it's a twofer. He gets the Paramount Plus for his wife and he gets USCFootball.com for himself. So there you go.
0: And half off. So it's pretty it's good. True. So, we, there you know, go. Sorry for the promo there, but we just don't, we really don't promo the show a lot. I mean, the, the, the website a lot on the, uh, on the <laughs> podcast because some people are just like, Hey, I listen to the podcast. I don't read what you guys write and stuff like that. This is an opportunity to. So if you were thinking about it, this would be the time to do it. Uh, all right, well, the main theme of the show is we want to update you guys on what's going on on the support staff, and certainly changed. And I think we've seen changes for the better, Keely, from the last couple of years. To me, USC is taking this more seriously. There's been an arms race going on for many years, and I think USC sort of felt like they were above the fray, didn't need to take part, and they weren't making – the kind of hires that other blue blood programs were making. I think they had some good people in place. You had guys like Eric Ziskin and Gavin Morris and guys that were like doing a lot of work. They were doing the, you know, jobs of two and three people just on their own. Now sure. you're seeing this expand and USC hiring more and more people and not just bringing in the intern that's never done it before. There's opportunities to do that. You can hire guys like, you know, Chris Claiborne, who's was a high school coach, maybe not coaching college. You can hire guys like Chris Hawkins, you know, as a GA and and kind of move them through the rankings. And um, you can hire young people to be these analysts, but you could also hire people that have been anal- in these analyst positions for a while and have proven track records. And USC is doing that too. So I think we gotta gotta go through all these names. But just before we do that, Keely, just in general, I've been impressed. Uh, with the hiring practices how they've gone about this it feels like they're acting like a blue blood program uh, what are your thoughts on what they've been doing
1: yeah I mean they've definitely seen the openings that USC had not only because they replaced Trey Johnson who left for Tennessee but also just on the quality control side of things they have seen that as an opportunity to really beef up uh, their support staff in multiple ways, not only in the, the coaching aspect, but also in recruiting and whatnot. So, uh, I just think it's, they, it shows that they're trying to be with the big boys and trying to make, uh, blue blood decisions. And it, it seems like they are. And I, I put this on the P, uh, last week, but our Steve Wiltfong wrote an article in January about off-field recruiting positions, um, basically talking about how they're emerging in college football. They're really important for college football. And he wrote about three main people. Um, and at the time, it was Brian Carrington, Gavin Morris, who USC fans know, and uh, who's uh, sorry, Jeff Martin. Yeah. And all three are now on USC staff right now. <laughs> and that was that was an article that was written just a month ago, and so it shows just how much that USC is paying attention to who's important um, in the recruiting landscape. And these are guys who have taken. Uh, top prospects away from USC and now you're getting those guys on your staff. So I think it's been a really good boost for USC uh, really uh, making sure that they're recruiting staff. Their support staff is not a one man job where you're putting so much weight on one person's shoulders. You're spreading the load around and you're getting more people who uh, know what they're doing and have experience. So I think they've been making great moves as far as building up that side of the staff.
0: Yeah. Um I agree. There's just, there's a way you can go about things. And if you're going to have a list of like, Hey, these are great. Here's, here's a few great support people that do an amazing job recruiting. Like, you know, you mentioned Brian Carrington, like he was at, you know, worked his way up when he was at the university of Houston with Tom Herman. They get a guy like Ed Oliver, who's a five-star defensive lineman that goes to Houston. And like the first guy we wanted to see on campus was Brian Carrington, you know, when he got there, that shows the kind of relationship he built. Um, that's a difference maker from a non, you know, a, a coach that you wouldn't even have heard about. Uh, you know, the, a, not a coach, but like someone that's on the staff that you wouldn't have heard about. It's not, you know, Graham Harrell or it's not Clay Helton. It's, it's someone on the support staff that's actually making a major difference. And I yeah. feel like that's the way college football has, you know, evolved is you, you need these people behind the scenes. Yeah. Do you need like 50 video people cranking out social media stuff? I mean, that's cool, but it's like, I don't know if that's make like you get Ed Oliver to come to your school and this, this supports that person is a big reason for it. Like that's a huge difference. I think Mm -hmm. you need the other stuff. You can, you have, you know, do you need 50 video guys? Well, 10 work probably, but if you have quality analysts and assistants that are helping with the actual recruiting process, making your roster better keeping those guys when they get on campus, making them want to stay because they like you. I, I think that's a, that's, that's a big deal. And the fact that if you have this list from a you know recruiting analyst that lives in the Midwest, I believe, or is he in Atlanta? I forget where Steve is. I,
1: I don't know uh, where he is, actually.
0: <laughs> he might be in Atlanta. I forget. I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, but wherever <laughs> you live, he's not in the West. And he's mentioning these three guys, and they all happen to be at USC. That's a big deal. And I feel like, USC has been behind it for a lot of the times, and they're trying to make things better. Now, people are going to say, oh, it doesn't matter. Clay, you know. You're making a better foundation for the football program as a whole. And so I, I applaud uh the efforts there.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and and for the record, Steve is from Indianapolis, I believe. I looked it up okay. on Twitter. So I thought go. it was
0: Midwest. Yeah, I was looking at
1: yeah, but these are, are guys who, if, when you add them to the staff, recruits take notice. And I, I forgot what he said exactly, but even Corey Foreman posted on his Insta story um, when Brian Carrington was added, like, this is the guy, like, this is great that he's added. And so when you get guys who've been so keen in, in other programs, you kind of create momentum a little bit, like, oh, this is the place you want to be. And so I think that's great for USC because I think they've lost that, you know, especially with just the five and seven season, all of the Clay Helton slander, if you will. I think they lost the hey, this is a cool place to be in May are building something. And I feel like when you add a guy like Jeff Martin, when you add a guy like Brian Carrington, then you start to have this momentum of like, oh they're they're up to something over there. That that might be cool. And like the thing that stood out to me because uh, LSU's Jeff Martin put out a, like, he kind of made it official. It came out last week, but he made it official today saying his goodbyes to LSU. He said that he ended up crying telling Coach O that he was leaving and, like, had a hard time saying goodbye to people. And when I interviewed Brian Carrington, he said, like, it's a whirlwind because he was sad to leave people at, at Texas, the recruits he recruited at Texas. And so it just shows how much these are people, people, <laughs> if you will. You know, they really established good connections with, uh, not only who they're working with, but the recruits they're trying to sign. And I think those are people you want to add on your staff. I mean, you talk about how Ed Oliver wanted to meet Brian Carrington. Uh, Jeff Martin, Joe Burrow was the first person he met when he got on campus. You know, they, those are guys who are, you want them on your staff. And so, like I said, I think it's a big deal at USC is getting these people. And the funny thing, Ellis, uh, Jeff Martin came together pretty quickly, I believe from what I was told and, it was something that after USC's basketball game on Wednesday night, it was pretty much like half of the athletic department or at least the, the decision makers at half court kind of walking around. And I, and I talked to some other reporters who saw them like kind of having a little bit of a commotion. Um, and they didn't know what was happening. And then I, I followed up with the source and they were saying that, uh, they actually closed the deal with Jeff Martin right after the basketball game. So it was very public uh excitement from USC's athletic department staff who when they actually uh signed him. So they're very excited to have Jeff Martin on the staff and I, I think you can understand why.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh I don't know if you want an analogy where like we just talked about getting an intern. You know, we have our staff, you know, there's you know Gerard and uh you know Keeley and Shotgun and Chris and myself. And say we had like an intern want to come in and you're recruiting them and they maybe they're like a stud at Annenberg and we're trying to get them to come on board. You know, if I make the hire is probably going to be me. You could say I would be like the Clay Helton of it, but maybe right. he or she is working with, you know, Keely a lot or so and, and relates to Keely and like, Oh, you know, you were just in school like a few years ago and you did some of the same things I did. Like I might be the head guy, but Keely could be the person that that, you know, intern or whatever would want to talk to the most and come in and be like, yeah, Ryan hired me, but it's really Keeley is why I'm here. You know, there, there's maybe something like that. I don't know. Is that a good analogy? Something similar.
1: As far as, are you relating this to like the whole Ed Oliver stuff?
0: Yeah, like when you're like a recruit coming to the program and when they say like, thanks to coach Helton and coach Harrell and coach Morris, like, well, Gavin Morris isn't a coach, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but they'll, they become part of it. And like that's, that's someone that really got them to come to campus, you know.
1: Well, the reason – they're kind of like the behind-the-scenes glue guys, you know, because the coach and the position coaches are going to have their hands in so many different areas that you have a guy like a Gavin who's very personable and will be able to relate to you. That is really what puts you over the edge in the recruiting process that sometimes doesn't feel very personable. So I think, like like you said, Ryan, your analogy makes sense. It's It's those guys who are the glue guys who really hold together the – the person to person aspect and, and make a place attractive to come to as a recruit.
0: Yeah. Uh, do we go over the, the so there's also, we really
1: go over it. Like who? <laughs> we left, so it. Yeah.
0: Maybe we could start with the people that, that leave. And I know we've got some, you know, in general, people are like, why didn't USC keep, uh, you know, Chris Claiborne or what about, why did you keep Hayes I I, I, mean, I would look at this as when you bring in, as far as college experience goes, like inexperienced guys that might be former players, um, you know, former USC players, you bring them on the point. The, the, they want to grow and they want to like become a coach. USC doesn't have to promote all of those guys. You can't just promote every player that comes through, yeah. but if someone else does, if Arizona state comes and poaches one of your, you know, call it control adolescent, makes them a full-time position coach, that's good for USC. I mean, that shows like the next quality control analyst you want to get. You're like, Oh, our last guy after a year, he got a full-time job, you know? Mm-hmm. And if that person does a great job at Arizona state in three years, you might want to hire him as your position coach there. And it's an upgrade for him again. Um, so I, yeah, I don't look at this as a bad thing. You, you want to have this pipeline of, wow, if I, you know, that's where you want to go. I mean, another intern thing, I, we had a, a you know, we've had a really good run of the interns we've had come in going on to do you know, working TV, whatever. We've had a like. There's a, a track record there. So someone like Keeley sees that and like, oh, I want to intern with Ryan because the people that have gone before, you know, that there's input before him, they came from USC. They've got good jobs afterwards. So I, I think I think it's a better. So the people that are being critical that USC didn't retain some of these guys, that's that's not the name of this game. Like these are low level positions. If you bring them in and give them their start. They go somewhere else. You're going to get better quality candidates, I think, going forward.
1: Exactly. We've talked about this on the Family Feud podcast, but it's a good sign if your quality control analysts are leaving because that means that other people want them. You don't want quality control analysts that people don't want because then you're, it's a low level position. And why are you having them there? You know, so uh, it's a good thing that they left. But also it was an opportunity for USC to really boost their staff in certain ways. I mean, that's how they were able to add Brian Carrington to the position. And to further your point, Ryan, if you look at um, the release that USC sent out when, uh, I believe it was uh, the Titans coach, uh, JDB, John David Baker, when he left for Ole Miss, in the release that USC put out, they said another quality control analyst who has grown grown at his time at USC and is now moving on. That was, that whole release was written just so that they could also show Brian Carrington, look, hey, this is a guy who became a quality control analyst and became a position coach. And that's ultimately what a guy like Brian Carrington wants to do. So, I mean, it's, it's a good thing you want this to happen. And, and I, people kind of described it as like a mass exodus and it's not like that. So, uh, it's just, it's okay. This is the life cycle of football positions or staff positions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just, that's the way. You know, that's the way it goes. And the good thing is USC is is just not hiring schmucks to do these jobs because they are moving on. I think USC fans could get, like, shell-shocked a little bit. They just haven't made good hires most of the time. They weren't hiring people other people wanted. They were hiring people that, you know, they knew. and Now you're going out and hiring people that other people would actually covet, and then you get this track record going. So even if you hire someone that's sort of mediocre – They're still, you know, they're still gonna get a bump. Like, if you're you're assistant coach for Nick Saban and you're like, you just kind of snuck through somehow, and you're not really that good, you're still Nick Saban's assistant coach. You're Bill Belichick's assistant, and you're like the lowest level assistant or like the worst assistant on his staff. You're still Bill Belichick's assistant, and you're gonna get bumped up because of that. So it's just, it's a good thing USC's in a much better place because of it. And if they lose Brian Carrington after a year and someone hires him as a position coach, um, you know, if Arizona State goes out and hires him again as a position coach, you can't get mad. You had the best, like one of the best people at his position. You hired him when he was the best of what he did. Now he's moving up and going to, you're taking a risk by, you know, increasing his responsibilities, making him an on-field coach, all that stuff. He might be the best, but you just don't know. USC could go out and get someone that's been a proven assistant coach, but if they put, you know, their analysts, you know, as a high level analyst into assistant coaches, like you said, that's just going to be something that you can sell going forward.
1: Yeah. If that scenario with Brian Carrington happens, then you have a really attractive position. You make that, that QC role way more attractive than other places because you have a track record of pushing them into real position. Coaching opportunities. So then, if it's attractive, you get better candidates. It's so it's a win-win, people. It's a win-win. Yeah.
0: Don't turn this um, one. There's a lot of negatives. Don't turn this one into one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think we should go through because Sean Howe was the defensive quality control assistant, and he left for Montana, I believe, uh, Montana State. He became their next defensive line coach, and he he's been everywhere. He was a defensive line coach for Coastal Carolina, who, by the way, Ryan finished their spring camp last week. So they've already, they're going through everything. They did so, again? Uh, wow. Yeah, crazy. they did it again. They couldn't do their uh, uh, spring game, but they did finish their spring practice already. So I know you were big on that. So I thought I should update you while I was mentioning Coastal nice. Carolina. <laughs> yeah. So he left, uh, that was an opening. Uh, and then obviously we talked about Chris Claiborne and Hayes Pillard. Uh, and then you had JDB uh, leave for Ole Miss, which then they elevated uh, Seth Dagey he became Titans uh coach so now you have an opening they did announce last week we put it in the war room 2 weeks ago that Tollobmanon is now an offensive quality control assistant so he's back on the, on uh, the Trojan side of things and then USC just announced today that they hired uh John Bonnie Bonnie I believe Ryan and he was a Texas safety so this seems like a uh Craig Nivar connection there yeah. they actually played USC Uh, in the overtime game, so he has he has played at the Coliseum, so he knows he knows that. But yeah, so this is a a a new guy to add to the staff. So still some some moves happening over there, Ryan.
0: And I would say, you look at Seth Dagey. There was an opportunity there because USC lost somebody, they promoted, and now if you have a good group of quality, you know, analysts, you know, quality control assistants, things like that, that's a internal pool of candidates if you do have an opening now could you have argued well you want chris claiborne he should have been promoted didn't really have a spot right i mean yeah they, so something opens up if they lost their linebacker coach yeah move them up you know but you don't need to like if you know force feed a spot for him his very first uh position coach you know coaching job in college if there's an opportunity and something opens up, yeah, you can promote someone because you have good people in the pipeline. But ideally, those good people in the pipeline, they're at a high-level analyst role for you, and then they become assistant coaches somewhere else. And then maybe three years down the road, you hire them away after they're more of a proven uh, assistant. Like Vic Soto, you see, like, you got to see him for three years, right, as a, you know, at Virginia defensive line coach, like, Man, that dude can coach and USC can hire that guy. I like that better than hiring, if they hired Vic Soto right, you know, from his whatever GA role or whatever it was, like you, like you, you can kind of project that they're going to be a good assistant, but at your place like USC, I would prefer hiring more proven guys. So if you see like this up and coming coach, like a Vic Soto after three years, yeah, okay, take a shot on him as opposed to right when they're coming out of, uh, you know, being a GA or something.
1: Yeah. And to be fair to USC, um, They did try to get Prentice Gill out of ASU uh to fill that open tight end role, but it turns out that it was close. And, and from what I heard, Gill just wanted to have his own wide receivers room and didn't really want to have a, a tight ends role, coaching role. So they didn't go to the first USC thing that we've seen where it's like, oh, opening? Promote from within. They actually tried to go and, and get their top guy and, and missed on that. So they at least yeah. attempted that.
0: Yeah, and if you have to promote from within, you have a good group to – Yeah. Choose from at least, which that wasn't the case in the past. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard good things about Seth Degey and how much he not only assisted the offense, but also in recruiting. He was uh, a big guy for both Miller Moss and Jackson Dart. So to promote him to coaching, I I believe that will help with recruiting as well on that offensive side.
0: Yeah. So if you're not going to follow every name that comes through as part of the support staff, just know it got better. Uh, They had some guys. Get poached away and get you know high, you know better jobs, but they went out and got people that were the best at what they do uh, in the country. So that's uh, that's good stuff. Yep. All right. Uh, well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions. So back in a minute. <laughs> With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, we have one voicemail. You want me to start with this one, Keely?
1: Sure, go for it.
0: All right, let's play this. Hey Ryan, Curtis from Moreno Valley, great interview with Dante Williams,
1: associate head coach, who is now going to be part of recruiting offensive players. They better never let him go. Never. I could eventually see him in an even higher position than he's in because you know how important talent is.
0: Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis, thanks. So, uh, yeah, I did a one-on-one with uh, Dante Williams. I think we, he said this in last week, but Keely and I didn't do a show, so my apologies. It was a week later, but um, thanks, Curtis. Yeah, it was fun interview. The second time, I interviewed him back in May, I believe, and then he came on again. It was great. You know, he's now the associate head coach. I would say never say never. I mean, don't let him go, but. <laughs> You know, if if someone's going to be, hire him to be a head coach somewhere, like, okay, then, you know, that's, he's probably going to go. I would assume he's going to go take that head coaching opportunity. But there was, you know, it was nice to give him promotion, you know, recognize the kind of contributions he's made, you know, on the field. And certainly uh, with recruiting, having a, you know, a top 10 class after the number 64 class or whatever it was the previous year, there was a big, a big part of that was Dante Williams.
1: Yeah, huge part of it. He's the type of guy, and I've heard this from multiple people, where you just you want to elevate your game just because he's around, and that's definitely a guy you want on your staff. So it makes sense because I'm sure a lot of programs want Dante, and so to to give him that promotion is good for him and good for the program, and and good for USC to bring in Dante.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that one, Curtis.
1: We have an email from Don. It's a little snarky. He says, do you think the PAC poll's reputation will hurt Keen Sopes's chances as a Heisman candidate? Or do you think that Clay Helton with all his influence can sway some voters? Don, uh,
0: I don't think it matters what Clay Helton does as far as like swaying voters. Like that's not, um I mean, if it was like some close race or something, we haven't seen, I mean, it's going to be about wins. So, if Keaton Slovis throws for a zillion yards and a lot of touchdowns and not a lot of interceptions, he's going to get noticed. Now it's, it's going to be different than like, if you were a Texas tech where you throw for 5,000 yards and you're like, yeah, you're a Texas tech. So you're you're at USC. They run like this type of an air raid thing. He gets explosive numbers. He's going to get attention because he's at USC, but he's not going to have a chance to win unless USC is like winning and not like Pac-12 South winning like, you know, eleven and one kind of winning. And if they're doing that, and he has ridiculous numbers, you know, closer to freshman year than sophomore year, it's not going to matter what Clay Helton does. I mean, what matters for Clay Helton is winning the game. So that's how he can contribute. Don is not by campaigning and and you know using his influence in the world. His influence would be USC goes twelve and zero or eleven and one. Then he's going to be in the conversation.
1: I will say, though, I think Don has a point about the whole Pac-12 problem, though, because I feel like for someone or for a player to get uh recognized at the national level, you have to really be impressive. You know, you have to really beat the team, the opponents you're playing, whereas if you're elsewhere, if you're on East Coast time, I think you definitely get more uh, love and more, you get your highlights played throughout the day. That's the whole reason why they did the big noon kickoff at 9 a.m. <laughs> in 2020. But, uh, I think you have to jump a, a few more hurdles in the Pac-12 than you would if you were in a different conference. That's just yeah. what I think. I, I'm also still jaded by the Christian McCaffrey whole debacle because I, I still think he was Heisman worthy, but no one really saw him play.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that, that was the, you know, I think Wilner talked about this more than anybody, but When you watch that day that game, USC Arizona State, and you watch college football throughout the rest of the day, and we, you know, I wasn't even covering; I was at home. USC Arizona State highlights were on every game, and it was because it was a compelling game and a miracle comeback. They showed that all day, every day, like every halftime of every game the rest of the day. Where if you're the 7:30 p.m. game, like there's not a lot of opportunities to show what actually happened. So that's a that was a benefit that I don't think a lot of people. Um, you know, talked about much, but as for yeah, that's um, that was a big you know benefit from that. But for Don, Pac-12 wise, if Christian McCaffrey played for USC, he would have won the Heisman. So, no questions asked. And I, USC is going to get a bump. If you're like yeah. Oregon, you can worry about. I'm in the Pac-12. If you're USC, you it's not complete. You're not completely isolated. You're not isolated from the Pac-12, but you're insulated from some of the 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 bows and arrows that you would be flung at the Pac-12. USC football people are willing to be like, "Yeah, that's USC. Oh, they're 11 and one, or they're 12 and 0, and their quarterback's thrown for 5,000 yards and 55 touchdowns. Like, okay, yeah, like he's he's a Heisman contender just because of of the name. So, not the Pac-12 isn't going to help. But it doesn't hurt USC as much as it would hurt like if, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson was making a run uh, from UCLA or, sure. you know, anybody at Oregon or something like that.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. It's the brand power of USC does go somewhere when it, we're talking about nationally. Um, so makes sense. Uh, we have an email from Mark in Fresno who says, hi all. Since USC has decided to open up the pocketbook book for support staff, what have they done with regard to the nutrition plan and how are they integrating it into the program? Who's running the nu- nutrition program? Mark in Fresno.
0: Isn't so, another, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go,
1: go for it, Ryan.
0: I'll just give a quick, like. I think it's a good question because we've seen, when they first opened like the John McKay Center, and we talked about this before, I don't think there was a ton of foresight as far as like what, how the, the landscape of college football was changing. Um, I mean, there's some really cool stuff in there. But there was also some stuff where like they didn't have offices for support staff. Like they had basically one office that you could put support staff people in. I think we went down there and did the tour. There was some stuff for nutrition and there was like a, you know, like a shake stand or something like that, but it it didn't seem like it was this huge, um, you know, built out thing for, to help with uh, the nutrition side of stuff. And there was like one or two people that were working there. I think that was an initial problem back, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. Uh, when that opened now, going forward, I, I, I think you have to, that's something you definitely need to address. And I, you know, Keely, I maybe have some information on that, but I feel like something that when USC kind of built that out, they were, you know, putting out the better facilities. That wasn't something that was like, oh yeah, they got like 10 nutritionists there. There was like one or two or something. And I like, I think Dan Weber emailed, I mean, uh, interviewed one of them at one point. And there were a couple of people that changed. You know, we'd met them before. We'd see them at practice sometimes, but it wasn't like this staff of people that was helping out with nutrition from what I remember.
1: Yeah, from the source side of things, the complaining about nutrition was what I I heard a lot. Like it just seemed to be a, a constant theme as far as like complaints. So I know that they're trying to revamp that. I've asked about it and from a USC source I got that they're working on it. Didn't get too much info. So I think it's still a work in progress. But I think is going to be attacked the same way that uh the strength and conditioning staff was attacked. I know they put out some videos and I Robert Steiner said that they're trying to be on the the forefront of scientific research and trying to do the best things for the student athletes and so I think they would have that same mindset when it comes to nutrition which I don't feel like we've totally seen. I felt like nutrition uh was kind of behind the times from a couple seasons ago and what we've saw what we've seen. So uh, I think it's a work in progress, so I don't have too much for you, Mark, but I know that USC is aware that they need to improve that area of its yeah. program.
0: And if you remember, like, with when Aaron Osmus came in, some of the interview I mean, I think the nutrition side, it didn't seem like there was a lot of cohesion between what he was doing and what the nutrition side was doing. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of problems with that over the years. I mean, do you remember, like, when Ed Orgeron, like, was – given the full-time job or whatever we made the interim head coach like he brought back like cookies and that was like a huge deal like there was just it just seemed like there was they were missing the mark on it like fairly often with with uh and you you it has to it has to be a symbiotic relationship and i think yeah there was just too many like there just wasn't enough going on there and it's good if they're going to address this too because it's hard for Robert Snyder to do his job or Aaron Osmus to do his job if you don't have like the nutrition side working as well, if if Aaron Osmond is like, hey, everyone, go eat steaks, and then you have like the, the nutritionist is only giving people green smoothies, and the you know you, you need a plan that's going to work together. So yeah, uh, I, I I my gut feeling is that with Robert Steiner in there, you're going to have they're building out that plan if it's not in place already.
1: Yeah, I guess the way you would phrase it is like prior to this new administration, I feel like it just wasn't a priority or maybe they didn't recognize the importance of nutrition with everything else and how cohesive it needs to be. So I get the impression that they, this new athletic administration at least understands um, the importance of nutrition and how much it has to be in tandem with strength and conditioning and just the overall performance of the players. So that's at least good that they're recognizing that Uh, they're working on it. So I don't fully know what the solution is going to be, but at least they're aware. And I feel like you couldn't really say that back in the day.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, well, yeah, hopefully we'll have some more information. We'd love to talk to uh, Robert Steiner about that. He's not been made available to the media yet. So hopefully sometime before spring football, we'll be able to uh talk with him. So, and, you know, and like Aaron Osmus came on our show, I think, one-on-one a couple of times. So hopefully we could get Robert Steiner on too.
1: That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. So we have one last text, and it's from Jack from Arizona. And let me just say, we can put his concern to rest. I think he got a little confused, um, because Ryan, at the end, at the beginning of every Tunnel Vision show, you talk about how Periscope is going um, out, right?
0: Yeah. So Periscope uh, as a platform is going away.
1: Yes. Periscope is not the pair style.
0: <laughs> oh, so- that you put that together. I didn't even put that together for. My- <laughs>
1: So Jack from Arizona sent us a text that said, I just listened to your podcast and found out that the Parastyle podcast is going away in favor of some new streaming show. I realize that the industry has to find new ways to make, uh, I believe, money. But at the same time, it really puts a crimp in us older, retired individuals living on a fixed income. I really hate losing touch with SC Football and Ryan on the Parastyle. Ryan is the voice of reason on all things SC. I guess I'll have to go somewhere else for my information. Well, don't you worry, Jack. You don't have to go anywhere. The podcast is not going anywhere. We were talking about Peristyle. Uh, it's a streaming thing on Twitter. They're they're going to have a new streaming thing. Oh, oh, my God. I just did that. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> okay. Jack. Yes, but we're fine. The podcast is fine. Per- Periscope is a different thing, and it's changing, but that will be fine. It, nothing will change, Jack. You're good. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I sent Jack a text just to let him know, um, and I didn't put it together. So if it gets a little confusing... We've been doing the Parastyle podcast for a long time. Two thousand eight is when we started it, but we've also expanded sort of the library of it. You know, before it was better than like me and Harvey Hyde would do a show, uh, maybe me and Gerard, uh, me and uh, Dan Weber. Uh, you know, now we've settled in. I'll do a show with Harvey Hyde most of the time. Keely and I will do a show, but Keely's also part of the Family Feud podcast. So that started off as Keely and Shotgun. But Chris Trevino is joining that quite a bit. And, you know, sometimes we'll still have Gerard on. He'll do a premium podcast for our subscribers sometimes too. But we'll have him come on and do a recruiting blast with me or, or Keely. We've done that in the past. Shotgun started his own um, <laughs> podcast as well, heard on the Sidelines. And if if you have a podcasting app, we're putting all of these into the Parastyle podcast feed. So you'll be getting multiple episodes per week.
1: Even but, tunnel vision too, siren. Yeah, That's no, you're right. You so the,
0: the tunnel vision one is it's all those other shows I mentioned are recorded as podcasts. So these are audio only. We're talking where microphones we you know record and maybe answer <laughs> questions, whatever it is. And we put it up as an audio format, you know, in an audio format as a podcast. And if you have Apple podcasts or Google, Google podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to your podcast, it should be in the feed for the Parastyle podcast and you get it. Well, Tunnel Vision is a streaming, a live streaming show. It's video. And we do that usually on Sunday nights. We'll do it sometimes Wednesday, Sundays, you know, during the season. It just depends. But it's a video show that you can see on YouTube, Facebook. And then as Keeley mentioned, Periscope, which is a, uh, they got bought by Twitter, but it's going away. So it's the, the Periscope version of the show is going away. We stream on all three, the same show, but it's just like kind of, you can watch it on three different channels, you could say three different, different media outlets. Um, hopefully Twitter will have some kind of live format. We could put it directly up on Twitter, but if not, when Periscope goes away, it'll be uh, on YouTube and it'll be on Facebook. But we take the audio from that video show and also put it into the Periscope podcast feed. So you can listen to the show, even if you're not watching. Now there's a lot of graphical stuff on there. We put up graphics. We'll, I mean, you can see things on the show that you won't be able to, you know, listen to on the podcast, but it's just another way for you know we've had people request that they don't want to watch the video, they like listening so they want to listen to the podcast version of the show. But that's all staying. Podcasts aren't going away, like Healy said. Um, and I, I didn't put two and two together with Jack. He was actually talking about Periscope going away, uh, which is a bummer. That's been a fun one. There's been some fun social media platforms. Like remember Vine? Like that was a cool one. Like oh, I yes, R.I.P. Vine.
1: That was big when I was in college. Yeah, but now it's TikTok, Ryan.
0: I see. I haven't. I haven't, I
1: haven't either. Don't worry. You don't have a TikTok. I feel like i No, because like the origins of the app were sketchy, so then I didn't download it, and now it's a big thing. And well, TikTok now is like kind of bleeding into Instagram, so I feel like I understand the trends without actually having TikTok. So I think it's a win-win.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can see like on Instagram stories, people are putting their TikToks up there or whatever. So
1: yeah,
0: um, that's weird. There was that. Is Snapchat still a thing? Are they still? It's is that
1: still a thing? Yes. It's not as popular, but still thing.
0: Okay. Because that was like a big thing for a while. I think yeah. they were like the first to do kind of like the stories, right? Like things that would, they were. They things that would expire. Were. Like,
1: yes. I remember yeah. I downloaded it as a sophomore in high school and I was like, I do not get the point of this and I still use it to this day. So there you go.
0: <laughs> still send snaps and stuff. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think Keely is the one that had to teach me about like, I'm like, so what's the story? Like I was just <laughs> posting stuff. <laughs> I think I got a pretty good ratio now. I mostly do stories and I'll put a post every once in a while.
1: Yeah, you understand like the unwritten rules of Instagram now. Before you were posting like four times a day and I had to tell you like ton it down a
0: little bit, Ryan. Yeah, you don't need that. And then yeah, it's funny, but now you're, she tells me like, Oh, you see that person that has like 25 stories a day. Like, okay, skip those. Like that's too (laughs) many, you know, like,
1: yeah, don't be that person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to put what you have for lunch, like once a week, okay, that's fine. But if you're going to put you know, everything you've done every day, that's like, ah, oh, that's a little much, you know. Like maybe yeah. have a really cool day, you put a bunch of things like, okay, this was a very different day. But sure. there's some people that put up like everything every day. Like I can't read all these things or watch all these things.
1: Exactly. Social, social media th- tips with Ryan and Keely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not the best at it, but I try. Uh, we mostly, you know, Twitter is like kind of where we're, for our industry, that's kind of where the bread is buttered, you know.
1: Pretty much, yep.
0: Yeah. But I don't know if it's still, I think, but you know, you you turn around and you're like, you see some person that has like 10 million followers. Like, who the heck is? That? I don't even know who that is. I've never heard of them. And they're, they have like this huge Twitter following. Like, okay, uh, where did that come from? You know,
1: <laughs> whatever works, whatever works yeah. for social media, I guess.
0: Nice. All right, well, let's wrap things up. Uh, that was good stuff uh, from Keely today. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. You can follow me at Inside. Troy, and uh, we do appreciate you guys uh, listening to us here on the Peristyle Podcast. For Keely are Ryan Abraham. thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible.